Welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha, a podcast shared by David Roylance. This podcast is dedicated to guiding you to completely eliminate the discontent mind and the suffering it causes by attaining enlightenment. Learn and practice the teachings of Gotama Buddha that will guide you to fully attain a peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy. To support this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha or visit buddhadailywisdom.com where you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online learning resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Now, here's our teacher to share more. สวัสดีครับ. Hello and welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha. Today we're going to be discussing breathing mindfulness meditation. The goal of this group is to share the teachings of Gautama Buddha in order to help you reach enlightenment or nibbana, which is a peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy. This practice that Gautama Buddha shared with us, the path that leads to nibbana, it is a path that will lead to this mental state of nibbana or enlightenment. But it takes work, it takes effort, it takes learning, it takes practicing. In order to do that, you need teachers and you need guidance. And I'm very pleased that you've chosen to be here and learn with me in order to walk the path with the Buddha. So let's get started with breathing mindfulness meditation. And when we're done, we'll discuss the group learning program which in that program will actually be in a virtual classroom where you will be able to see me and I will be able to see you. You'll be able to raise your hand and ask questions. There'll be an active speaker camera where you'll be able to show up and we'll actually be able to interact in a virtual classroom. But we'll discuss that more later. Let's get to meditation. Breathing mindfulness meditation. This is the core foundation of your practice that you need in order to reach to Nibbana or enlightenment. Keep in mind the main problem that the Buddha discovered with the mind is that the mind has craving or desire, attachment, a mental longing, a strong eagerness to hold on to things. The mind naturally wants to hold on and it just holds on and holds on and holds on and because of this, we cause ourselves anger and frustration, irritation. Uh, we get boredom. We get sadness. We get loneliness. We get uh, shame and guilt and fears. All types of feelings that I would call discontentedness. The Buddha used the word dukkha, where a lot of people translate that to mean suffering. However, I don't use the word suffering because I feel like it doesn't really fully illuminate what the Buddha was talking about. When the Buddha was talking about dukkha, he was talking about painful feelings, which are the sadness, the anger, the frustration, the irritation, the guilt, the shame. Some people even say loneliness is in there as well. Then he talked about pleasant feelings, feelings of happiness, excitement, uh, elation. And then he talked about feelings that are neither painful nor pleasant. I would describe this as boredom or shyness. Because being shy, it's not painful and it's not pleasant. It's neither painful nor pleasant. 
And because of this, the mind is discontent, essentially uncomfortable, displeased. And when the mind is holding on to attachments or craving or desires, the mind longs for permanence and it has this strong eagerness to hold on to these things. And when the mind is displeased, then it has this discontent emotions. Well, the Buddha didn't say suffering because suffering only describes the painful feelings. It doesn't describe the pleasant feelings or the feelings that are neither painful nor pleasant. If I was shy, I wouldn't say I was suffering. Or if I was happy or if I was excited, I wouldn't say I was suffering. Or even if I was bored, I wouldn't say I was suffering. But the mind is discontent. So discontentedness is painful feelings, pleasant feelings, and feelings that are neither painful nor pleasant. Now, many of us in life, we think that the goal in life is to be happy and everybody's craving happiness and everybody wants to be happy. Well, happiness is impermanent. It doesn't last permanently. And when the mind is not happy, it then moves to sadness or boredom or loneliness or guilt or uh, anger or frustration. And the mind just bounces around and all these impermanent mental states. The goal is to bring the mind to the middle where it's permanently peaceful, permanently calm, permanently serene, and permanently content with joy. And in order to do that, if we dwell in the happiness or we dwell in the excitement or the elation, the mind is going to be discontent. It's not suffering. I wouldn't use that word. I would say it was discontent. And when the mind is sad or angry or frustrated or annoyed uh, or guilty or feeling shame, the mind is discontent. And when the mind is bored or uncomfortable, the mind is discontent. So the Buddha used the word dukkha, and many people in the Buddhist community use the word suffering. However, the goal is to eliminate the discontent mind, which includes painful feelings, pleasant feelings, and feelings that are neither painful nor pleasant. Now, the way that we predominantly work to eliminate this discontent mind is through meditation. However, there's a whole range of teachings that need to be learned and understood so that you can practice those teachings and you can observe the truth for yourself. This is how you acquire wisdom. Through acquiring wisdom, you will be able to see that the two teachings are truth and therefore you will independently have observed the truth, which means you will have new wisdom. It's this new wisdom that will then liberate the mind. It will improve the condition of the mind. It will bring more peace and more calm to the mind because you know the truth and you're eliminating craving predominantly, but also hatred and also delusion or ignorance or the unknowing of true reality. This is the three poisons, which we need to get into another time because that's a discourse that needs to be understood all to itself. But the primary problem that Gautama Buddha discovered is that the mind has craving, it has desire, it has attachment or holding or grasping. 
This is many words that are used in order to describe this aspect of the mind that needs to be trained and eliminated. So the more we train the mind not to hold on to things and to just let it be, then we don't have that mental longing and that strong eagerness to hold on to things and we can find more peace and more joy in the world and with the relationships around us. So with breathing mindfulness meditation, the way that I observed in Gautama Buddha's teachings that he taught it and the way that I've practiced it, the way that I've shared with students and works for them, and the way that I have talked with uh, people here in the Thai community of various monks that are teaching that are well known in Thai society to have attained Nibbana, the style of meditation that I'm going to teach you, I have confirmed in those four ways that it absolutely works. Number one, it's in the Pali text, the original source of, of teachings, the oldest historic documents that we have of the Buddhist teachings from the Pali Canon. This is where I first discovered it. Then I practiced it myself and I noticed that it absolutely works. I've taught this to other people and other people practice it and it works. And then in conversation with Thai people who have learned from various monks here in Thailand who are well known to have attained Nibbana, when they ask me about what type of meditation I teach and I share that with them, they say, ah, that's the same style that I learned from this monk or that monk or this monk who is really well known to have attained Nibbana. So what I'm going to teach you will work. Now, will it work on the very first session? You may get a little bit of benefit if this is your first time meditating, or you may get you know a couple of minutes of benefit, but at least it will give you just a little bit of glimpse that you can actually train the mind to attain Nibbana and get to that peacefulness. That's the truth. When we do meditation and you observe the truth in that meditation that you can attain a peaceful and calm mind through meditation, then it's just a matter of, of practicing that consistently over a period of time, many months and many years to improve the condition of the mind along with learning the teachings that the mind will then become more peaceful, more calm, more serene, more content with joy. So today when you do meditation, if you get a few seconds or a few minutes of peacefulness, just allow that to be evidence to you and let it be truth that you can attain this peaceful mental state. It's a matter of meditating on a consistent basis. It's a matter of learning more of the teachings and applying more of the teachings in daily life. And the more that you do this, that time that you experience of peacefulness in meditation and outside of meditation in daily life will just expand and expand and expand. The mind though is very much like a wild elephant. This wild elephant is out in the jungle. It's rooting up trees. It's digging holes. It's knocking things over. It is a wild elephant. It doesn't want to be trained. The mind doesn't want to be trained. When it's time to meditate, the mind is going to find all kinds of excuses and reasons why you shouldn't be meditating. It's going to want to go outside. It's going to want to go uh, 
play on the computer. It's going to want to go chat to friends on Facebook. It's going to want to do everything except meditate. So the mind often will either fight you or it's going to run from you. So you need to develop the discipline to sit down or stand or lay or do walking meditation, the four different positions that the Buddha taught us. You need to have the discipline to do that on a daily basis. Now the ordained uh, practitioners, they already have a very well-refined discipline that's built into being ordained and living at a temple. They still have to take the effort to do it, but at least they have some structure around them. In the lay life, we have many things that we need to attend to, and therefore we don't typically have the same discipline as an ordained practitioner. However, we can still attain Nibbana as an Arahant, the highest stage of enlightenment in the lay life. It's just that we need to apply our own discipline. We need to come up with our own discipline. And this is part of the reason why I'm going to be hosting this live group training every Sunday at 9 p.m. Thai time to give you a regular weekly Dhamma talk regular weekly contact where you can ask questions, you can receive guidance, and slowly and gradually you can work towards attaining enlightenment. Now, a lot of people think that enlightenment happens in the snap of a finger. You know, after all, we do call it enlightenment, and a lot of people think that it's just a light switch. And some people will even tell you that the Buddha sat down under a Bodhi tree and crossed his legs, and then boom, he reached enlightenment. Uh, this is not what he shared in his teachings. In the Pali text, he talks repeatedly about how Nibbana is a gradual process of training the mind, gradually training the mind closer and closer to Nibbana. So that's what you need to do, is develop a regular, consistent, daily practice of meditating, of learning the teachings, applying the teachings in daily life. And if you skip a day or you accidentally forget to do meditation on a particular day, don't beat yourself up about it. Don't feel guilty about it. Meditation is like a bucket and it's an empty bucket unless you've been meditating for a really long time. And even if you've been meditating for a really long time, you probably haven't meditated in the way that I'm going to teach you today. So you have this empty bucket. Each time you meditate, you're putting water into this bucket, a scoop of water and filling up this bucket. This bucket becomes fuller and fuller and fuller. And as things happen in daily life, this bucket of water, the water starts to evaporate. But no big deal because you can put scoops of water back into the bucket. And over time, after you're doing this, for more and more time, the water in the bucket eventually overflows more and more and more until you eventually get to enlightenment or nibbana, where the mind is just completely peaceful, calm, serene, content with joy. It doesn't matter what happens to you. The water isn't going to evaporate because you've done such a good job at developing your practice, at understanding the teachings, at meditating, that your bucket is always overflowing with water and nothing in the world bothers you because you're no longer thirsty, right? When the bucket is empty, 
The mind is thirsty. It's craving. It has desire. It has attachment. It's longing with a strong eagerness. It wants that water, but it can't get what it needs. It's not pleased. So we lash out in anger or frustration or guilt or boredom or sadness, or we're bored or lonely um, or shy. The mind is just thirsty. So what we've got to do in meditation and through learning these teachings and applying them in daily life is we need to feed the mind the water that it needs in order to be calm and peaceful and content. So let's do that. So wherever you are right now, take a position probably seated. You should be sitting on the floor if you like or sitting in a chair. If you're laying in a bed, that's fine. Uh, you should be somewhere that you're comfortable but not luxurious because if the mind is comfortable where you're just laying back in the in the chair or on the bed and with lots of plush things around you then the mind has a tendency to become inactive it's too comfortable it's not attentive you need the mind in meditation to be attentive right you need it to be alert so you can train it okay so be sure you're in a comfortable position, but not luxurious. The lower body should be comfortable. If you ever feel pain in the lower body, whether you're sitting or standing or laying, whatever it is, you should adjust your position. There's no awards given for somebody who experiences pain and more and more pain throughout the meditation and they just grin and bear it. There's no reward for that. There's, that's not going to lead to things that's going to be beneficial. In fact, the pain is telling you something's wrong in the body. It's telling you your knee hurts. It's uncomfortable. It's telling you your hips hurt. So you should take another position to make sure you're comfortable. Don't just bear the pain because then the mind is only going to be experiencing pain, 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 pain. We can't train it to do what it is that we need to do in meditation. In meditation, we're training the mind. You know, some people say, I'm gonna go walk the dog and meditate, or I'm gonna go for a jog and meditate. You're going for a jog, or you're walking the dog. You're not meditating. Although those things can bring you peace and bring you calm, meditation is a dedicated practice, a dedicated session of training the mind. So if we are in that dedicated uh, session training the mind and all we feel is pain then we're not going to be able to experience the type of training and exert the type of training that we need for the mind in order to bring it to that peaceful calm serene and content place with joy the buddha called this the middle bringing it to the middle okay so with the lower body it should be comfortable if you're sitting in a chair maybe Place your feet on the floor or cross your legs. If you're uh, on the floor, cross your legs, but don't make them real, real tight. If you tighten your legs really, really tightly, there's a tendency for the circulation to um, stop, and then you're going to start feeling pain. So some people might put their legs in front of each other, one in front of the other, or stack them on top of each other so that they're on top and the circulation can flow. But if you tighten them really tight in a cross leg position, then it's going to be hard for the circulation to flow. 
okay? So you need to get a nice, comfortable position with the lower body. And if you've got some cushions or pillows, you can put those under your rear end and get your rear up higher than the knees. So the knees are kind of sloped on a downward position. This is going to allow more space in the hips to let the circulation flow. It's gonna take the pressure off the knees as well. So it's gonna make the lower body much more comfortable so that you can actually get to the mind and actually train the mind. So feel free to get some cushions, feel free to uh, sit in uh, a position that's going to be comfortable, whether it's on the floor or uh, in a chair. If you're on a sofa or something like that, uh, that's fine. Just be sure that the lower body is comfortable but not luxurious. Also, keep in mind that everything is impermanent except for this mental state of Nibbana, which is a permanent mental state. We're gonna talk about that in a few weeks uh, in a lot more detail. However, everything's impermanent. So this practice in this path is not about every single person getting into the exact same meditation position. So that's why when I explained the lower body, I gave you lots of different options. Uh, my goal as your teacher is to help you find the position that's most comfortable for you. My goal is to help you find the position that's most comfortable for you so that you can train the mind. My goal is not to force you to do it the way that I do it because everybody does it differently. And I recognize that. So even though I have certain experiences in meditating in different positions, I will draw on that experience to help you find the position that's most comfortable for you. And then I will teach you that don't get attached and hold on to that position permanently in the mind because you can't hold on to that permanently. As your body changes due to impermanence, you're gonna need to find different solutions for how the body needs to be in meditation and be comfortable. For example, I got into a motorbike accident about six or eight months ago. I could not sit on the floor and meditate cross-leg for many, many months. And even now, I, I barely do it. So most often I've been meditating in a chair or with lots and lots of pillows under my, my rear end. So whatever position you, that is comfortable today, it's not necessarily gonna be comfortable tomorrow. So the lower body should be comfortable, but not luxurious and allow the circulation to flow in the lower body. The upper body, this should be in the middle. It should not be slouched and hunched over and you shouldn't be real rigid either because that's going to stress the muscles. The upper body should be in the middle where it's comfortable using your own muscles supported, uh, supporting your body weight. So if you're in a chair, don't lean back and, and use the, 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 the backrest to support you. If you're near a wall, don't lean back to the wall and use the wall in order to uh, support you. Use your own muscles to support your upper body. This will help the mind stay alert and stay attentive during meditation. Next, your hands and your arms. There's lots of different positions for this. Gautama Buddha put his right hand over his left with his thumbs together and put them in his lap. I do this way because it's very comfortable for me. And it just essentially, I don't even have to flex a muscle or use a muscle in my, my, my body. It's just completely relaxed with my hands in my lap. Just like the picture you're seeing 
on the on the screen but some people will put their palms up face up some people will put them face down on their lap uh, some people will use different uh, positions with their hands whatever is comfortable for you you shouldn't feel you shouldn't need to use any muscle in your body with your hands and your arms it should just be completely rested completely comfortable in your lap or on your knees so that essentially the lower body the upper body the hands and the arms it's like they almost don't even exist it's like the body doesn't even exist what we're doing here is we're trying to access the mind in meditation and we're going to be doing that through the breath and focusing the mind on the breath so with the body it just doesn't even matter we just want it in a position where it's comfortable but not luxurious and there's no pain so that the mind doesn't experience pain what we're starting to do here is what Gautama Buddha described as setting up mindfulness in front of us he said prior to meditation we need to set up mindfulness in front of us now let's talk about the word mindful what mindful means is awareness of mind okay awareness of mind we're becoming aware of the mind prior to meditation because we're getting ready to train the mind so therefore Gautama Buddha's guidance to us is to set up mindfulness in front of us so that might mean you go to the bathroom you take off your shoes some people might do a little yoga someone might do a little bit of a prayer or something like this whatever you do you're easing the mind into meditation just easing the mind into meditation because remember it's going to want to fight you it's going to want to run so you're kind of coaxing the mind into meditation so that it will sit down and meditate with you and in some cases we use walking meditation in order to coax the mind to sit down but again we'll get to that another time there's a lot more to learn so here we're setting up mindfulness in front of us we're getting our lower body position we're getting our upper body position we're getting our hands and arms in position and then something that i do that i'll be teaching you in this group learning program is i'll be teaching you to do chanting buddhist chants and i've got the chants here that i'll be sharing with you guys uh, in on the screen uh, when we get to the group learning program and it's also in the book as well in chapter 11. in these chants we're actually starting to become aware of the mind we're starting to become aware of the breath uh, the words themselves have meaning to them but just the words and chanting a mantra isn't going to produce nibbana where i use the chanting is i use it in order to become aware of the mind aware of the breath because those are the two things that i'm going to be working with in the meditation i'm going to be working training the mind in order to do that i'm going to need the breath so with chanting it's going to start helping me to become aware of the mind and start to become aware of the breath so prior to meditation as i'm getting my body in position i'm always going to pretty much do chanting sometimes i don't but I, I i most often will do chanting this will ease the mind into meditation and if you don't have a chanting practice at this point that's fine and if you don't ever want to have a chanting practice at any point that's fine too you don't need chanting in order to attain nibbana 
But if you would like to, to learn that and use it as part of your practice, I will be teaching you how to do that. Once I do the chanting and after I've come to that end of the chanting, then I go into the meditation. What you're going to do with your eyes closed is you're going to focus on the breath, breathing in through the nose and out through the nose. A nice, natural, steady, consistent breath. You want to focus the mind on the breath. The breath is the present moment. Now, the mind during meditation is going to want to go to the past or it's going to want to go to the future or it's going to want to have all these thoughts and ideas and these perceptions. All these things are going to come to the mind and try to drag you in a different direction other than the middle. The mind is going to be that wild elephant trying to go root up the trees, dig up the holes, doing all these various things, right? We, some people call this the monkey mind. So what we got to do is we got to train that elephant. We got to train that monkey to come and be in the present moment. In the breath is the present moment. And that's why we focus on the breath during meditation to train the mind to come into the present moment. When the mind wanders and it wants to go to the past or it goes into the future or thoughts or ideas or perceptions come into the mind, what you're going to do is let it go. You're going to just cut off those thoughts and let it go. Now, you might not uh, notice it right away. It might take you 30 seconds or a minute or maybe even five minutes before you realize, oh, the mind has wandered, right? Especially if it's a pleasant thought. If it's a pleasant thought, oftentimes the mind wants to chase after it and it wants to go after it and it wants to be with that pleasant thought. But we don't want that in meditation. We want to train the mind to come to the present moment, to the breath. So even if it's a pleasant thought or if it's a bad thought or if it's just an uncomfortable thought, you want to cut it off at the root and bring the mind to the present moment, which is the breath. Let it go. Just bring the mind to the breath. If the mind can be peaceful and calm just by yourself, focused on the breath, all the mind needs to be content is sitting there breathing and focused on the breath. If you can be content there, then you can be content anywhere at any time. So that's why we're training the mind to be calm, peaceful, and content in this present moment. And by training the mind to let go of those thoughts, to cut them off and bring the mind back to the middle, we're training the mind to not have craving, to not have desire, to not have attachment. So as the mind goes into all these different thoughts and you get very good at cutting off the thoughts and bringing the mind to the present moment, you do this through multiple meditation sessions and then it becomes beneficial to you because now your bucket of water is getting higher and higher and higher. You're training that mind more and more and more. So now when you're in the public space or you're on the telephone or you see something on Facebook and it's displeasing to the mind and you feel the frustration and you feel the anger rising, you can cut it off. You can cut off that feeling and bring the mind to the middle. Right now, you might not be able to do that because the mind isn't fully trained. So as the 
you do this meditation and you train the mind in this way to cut off thoughts and bring the mind to the present moment, then it becomes beneficial because as you feel frustration rise, as the boredom rises, as the loneliness or the guilt or the shame or the sadness or the anger, you now can control the mind because you've done training. But you can't control the mind if you haven't done the training. But if you've done the training on a consistent, regular basis, then you can control the mind. And as the anger or frustration arises, you can cut it off, notice that it's impermanent, and bring the mind to the middle. Now, eventually, when you do this enough and you've practiced all the other teachings, you get to a point where the anger never arises, where the frustration never arises. The irritation, the guilt, the shame, the boredom, the loneliness, the shyness, it never arises. But you're not there yet. You're still practicing. You're still working your way to that point. So you're still going to feel the ickiness. You're still going to feel a little bit of sadness or, or frustration or anger. It's still going to arise. So you need to train the mind to cut that off and bring the mind to the middle. And that's what we're going to do in this first meditation of breathing mindfulness meditation, which forms the foundation of your practice. And we call it breathing mindfulness meditation because you're becoming aware of the breath as the present moment and you're becoming aware of the mind. Now, when you're meditating, you're not labeling your thoughts. You're not judging your thoughts. You're not trying to figure out why these thoughts are arising. That's not where we're going. You're not going to play music. You're not going to have an app. You're not going to have anything. Just the body, the mind, and the breath. That's it. Just these three things. That's all you need. The body, the mind, and the breath. Don't even time the meditation. Just sit in meditation meditate and when you're done you're done you don't even need to look to see how long did you meditate because one of two things is going to happen either you're going to beat yourself up because you didn't get to where your goal was you're going to be sitting there in meditation is it 30 minutes yet is it 30 minutes yet is it 30 minutes yet or the second thing you're going to do is you're going to set that alarm you're going to be deep in meditation getting all kinds of benefits and beep, 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 beep. Oh, if I just didn't set that alarm, I could have got so much more benefit. So don't set an alarm. And even if you know that you meditate regularly for 30 minutes or an hour, what are you going to do with that information? You're going to go tell all your friends that you're meditating for an hour and compare how long are they meditating for? Is it, is it an ego thing that we're supposed to compare with each other how long we're meditating and whoever's meditating longest is better or more holy? No, that's not what this practice is about. This practice is about eliminating the ego. Eliminating the ego. That's part of the practice. So I have no use for knowing how long did I meditate for. I have no use for that information. What I care about is that I'm getting results in my meditation. I've meditated sometimes for five or 10 minutes and gotten results. I've meditated sometimes for 45 minutes and not gotten results. 
So the amount of time we meditate is irrelevant. It serves no purpose. So why even keep track of it? So don't even worry about the time. Don't even consider the time. Don't even use an alarm. Just do your meditation. And when you're done, you're done. And you come out of meditation feeling better, more peaceful, more calm, more serene, and more content. Okay? So as we meditate here today, I'm only going to do just a short little meditation in order to help you see how to meditate and get you into meditation. And then we'll come right back out of meditation so that you can just get a use of seeing how meditation works. Now, once we get going in the group learning program, you'll be in a virtual classroom. And when we're done meditating, or as you're meditating during your week, you'll be able to come into the classroom and ask questions and get guidance on your meditation. Today and next Sunday, we're doing this live stream where there's no interaction between you or I. But when you sign up for the group learning program, you'll be able to interact and ask questions in order to get help, not only with your meditation, but with all the other teachings that you're learning as well. So let's just do a little bit of meditation just to help you get rooted into meditation, help you see a little bit about what I'm talking about. I'll do some chant, a chant. I'll do a little bit of guidance during the meditation to help you get rooted into the meditation. And then we'll just sit there for a few minutes and then we'll come right back out of meditation. And typically I would do chanting at the end of the meditation to ease the mind back out, but I won't do that today. I'll just do the chanting on the way into the meditation. Then when we come out of the meditation, I'm going to share with you details on the group learning program and what we're going to be doing so that you can get registered and get prepared for every Sunday at this time in order to set aside some time to learn the teachings and go through Gautama Buddha's teachings and help improve the quality of your mind so that you can start improving the quality of your life. Okay, so go ahead and take your meditation position. I'm sitting in a chair, so I'll just sit here in a chair. You sit on the floor or in a chair or wherever you need to, to do. And just get your lower body comfortable. Just start to, to settle in. Remember, you don't want your legs real tight. Just keep them in a comfortable position where the circulation is flowing. And then put your upper body in a nice comfortable position, not slouched and not real rigid in the middle. Then take your hands and your arms and put them somewhere comfortable. If right over left feels comfortable with the thumbs together in your lap, then do that. If you prefer to have your hands uh, face down on your knees or in your lap, whatever is comfortable for you. So just get comfortable sitting in a position with your upper body supported with your own muscles. Close your eyes and breathe in through the nose and out through the nose. Nice, natural breath. In through the nose and out through the nose. You don't want to control the breath and you don't want to force the breath. You just want to observe it and bring the mind to the breath. That's the present moment. The mind can be there peacefully, calmly, and content. I'm going to do some chanting to ease us into meditation, give you a preview of what you could potentially learn if you like. And then after the chanting, 
I'm going to give some guidance to help you further your meditation practice. Arahang Sama Samoto Mhakawa Potang Mhakawantang Apiwate Ami Sawakato Mhakawata Tamo Tamang namasami Supatipano pakawato Sawaka sangho Sanghang namami Napmodhasa bhagavato arahato sama samputasa Napmodhasa bhagavato arahato sama samputasa Napmodhasa bhagavato Arahato Sama Samputasa Itipiso Mahakawa Arahang Sama Samputo Vichacharanang Samhuno Sakato roka vitu Anutero purisa Tamasati satatava Manusanang puto pakavati Okay, you should be breathing in through the nose and out through the nose. Just a nice, natural breath. In through the nose and out through the nose. Don't try to force your breath or control your breath. Just observe it. Observe the quality of your breath. Are you breathing in short or long? Is it hurried? Is it short or rapid? Allow the breath to just come into a natural, steady rhythm, breathing in through the nose and out through the nose. The breath is the present moment. This is your anchor in meditation. Use the sound of the breath or the sensation of the air entering into the nose, the sensation over the skin. Use these as your anchor to anchor the mind on the breath. This is the present moment. Breathing in through the nose and out through the nose. 
as the mind wants to wander into the past or it wants to take you on a journey into the future just cut off the thoughts let them go train the mind to come to the breath as the mind has thoughts ideas or perceptions cut those off let them go they serve you no purpose right now bring the mind to the present moment to the breath the mind can reside peaceful calm serene and content with joy when it's in the present moment when it's dwelling in the past worrying of the future when it's having so many rapid thoughts it can't be peaceful so bring the mind to the present moment to the breath just sit with the breath breathing in through the nose and out through the nose I'm going to be quiet now I'm just going to let you sit with the breath and practice focusing on the breath cutting off the thoughts as you see that you're having them let them go you have nowhere to go you have nothing to do you have nowhere that you need to be all the thoughts are impermanent all the sounds are impermanent you can train the mind and control the mind to sit with the breath the present moment
Okay, that was just a very, very short meditation just to get you rooted into how I'm encouraging you and guiding you to meditate. Now, if you're currently meditating with music or apps or these things, okay, that, that's great. It, it got you this far. It got you to where you are today. But what I would like you to do for this group learning program is to practice what I'm teaching you. Set aside all those other things for now. Try to develop a practice in the way in which I'm sharing with you. And if you can develop this practice and you see results, then that means it's working for you. And you'll know that it's from this practice that you've developed. Where if you continue to do what you're currently doing, and some more things that I'm teaching you, then okay, then, then that's at least a half a step. But if you can work to eliminate those things that you may be doing now with music or um, certain mantras or apps or anything that you're, that you're using that is external stuff, gongs, sound baths, you know, if you want to do those things occasionally, that's fine. But what I would like you to do is build up a practice where 80 to 90% of your practice is just like this, breathing mindfulness meditation. There's only three things you should need, the body, the mind, and the breath. You have these three things with you always until you get to death and the body breaks up from the mind. So. That means if you're in the mountains on a mountain hike in Chiang Mai, you can do meditation. If you're in France or Italy or South America or Africa, America, Canada, the UK, Australia, Japan, it doesn't matter where you are in the world, whether you're at home, in a hospital, in a hotel, uh, in a city park, if you develop a meditation practice of just the body, the mind, and the breath, you can meditate anywhere, anytime, without any attachments. Don't even get attached to my voice. Don't even get attached to me guiding you in meditation. I know it's very popular to have guided meditation nowadays, but don't even get attached to that because all of those things are impermanent. If you get the mind fixed to only meditating with a certain app, that app's going to be gone someday. If you get the mind fixed to meditating to a certain music track, the, that's going to be gone someday. If you get the, the body comfortable with only meditating in one place, with one mat, with one temperature, with one lighting, with one thing, then someday those things are going to all be gone and you can't meditate because you haven't developed a practice that just relies on the body, the mind, and the breath. So work to develop this practice, meditate daily at least once a day, if not twice a day. And if you can get three times a day, go for it. That's what the Buddha did three times a day. Usually morning or evening or morning and evening works really great because people in the morning are just waking up. There's not really many demands on you and your stomach's empty. In the evening, same thing. The stomach's empty and everybody's kind of calming down and the phone stops ringing. 
So those are two spaces that you can carve out for yourself and start to develop meditation in one of those places, if not both places. If you do it in the morning, you'll notice that it sets up your day really nice. And if you do it in the evening, it's really nice because it helps to uh, bring you down and help you ease into sleep so you wake up the next morning more refreshed. And then you do your meditation and that carries you through the day. Um, if you do a meditation in the middle of the day, that's great as well. So there's no limit to the number of times and there's no limit to just only doing it once or twice or, or three times or five times. Right now, the bucket may be fairly empty or maybe it's half full. Whatever it is, just keep adding water, whether it's once a day, twice a day or three times a day. Develop this practice and you will be so pleased that you did. Okay, so if we were in the virtual classroom, which we will be in two weeks, you'll be able to ask me questions as we go through the group learning program. But today we're doing a live stream, so therefore I'm just gonna move on to the next topic and share with you the next thing uh, that I have to discuss with you, and that is the group learning program. I wanna share with you what the group learning program is because we've been doing a group learning program in the Facebook group, Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha for about five months now. And what this program has consisted of so far is me sending out videos, me sending out posts daily, and quizzes for you to focus on and kind of learn at your own, own pace. Well, now what we're gonna be adding to that is we're gonna be adding to that a weekly interactive class where we can gather online in a virtual classroom and I can share the teachings in a Dhamma talk with you. We're gonna walk through each chapter of the book, Developing a Life Practice, The Path That Leads to Nibbana. We're gonna be walking through each chapter of this book week by week and I'm going to be sharing the teachings and bringing those to life. So if you're watching the videos that I've produced online, which you can if you like, if you like to learn that way, if you're reading the book, if you're coming to the class weekly and learning directly and asking questions with me, if you're meditating and if you're um, taking the quizzes, then what you're going to notice is that the mind is going to gradually awaken more and more and more. So we're going to do this using the live interactive online classes. We're going to be using Zoom for this. And you should be checking your email because if you've signed up or if you do sign up today, you're going to be getting the passwords and the codes to be able to log into the virtual classroom. We're still going to be streaming this uh, every week. Uh, to all the different uh, social media platforms throughout the world. However, in those social media platforms, you're not gonna be able to ask questions. So you really wanna get into the virtual classroom where you'll be able to ask questions. In that virtual classroom, I'm gonna be doing Dhamma talks where I'm gonna be teaching you from this book. And some people may choose to read it before class or some people might choose to read it after class. It's whatever works best for you. So I'm going to be doing Dhamma talks and I'm going to be helping you learn meditation and guide you in your meditation practice. And then we'll also be learning chanting at certain times as well so that if you would like to 
add this to your practice and use chanting, see how it can benefit you, then you'll have chanting as well. And then of course, there's ongoing support all through the week, all through the years, all through long into the future on the online uh, community and Facebook where there's ongoing support. So this is kind of like a five pronged uh, approach. The interactive classroom where we're gonna be doing Dhamma talks, interactive uh, meditation instruction, poly chanting, ongoing support, there's video, there's discussion online, there's quizzes. All of these things are available to you. You just have to uh, find some time to be able to focus. And if you look at things in your life, there's potentially things that you can cut out, right? Uh, how much are you spending time on social media? Well, if you're gonna spend time on social media, might as well make it something beneficial like this. So go into YouTube channel, go into our Facebook uh, group, uh, get into the virtual classroom, use the internet to benefit you and improve the condition and quality of the mind through training the mind. You know, being in groups and being online and, and just chatting, that's great. And you know, it's good to stay in touch with people, but here's a way that you can use social media, you can be on social media and it can be beneficial for you. So this is how we're gonna approach the group learning program. This is what we're gonna do. Next, why are we going to do it? Well, everybody would really love to attain a peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy. This is a way to describe Nibbana or enlightenment, right? If you were able to attain this peaceful mind, eliminating the discontentness of sadness and anger and frustration, irritation, guilt and shame, uh, frustration, boredom, loneliness and shyness. If you're able to eliminate these things from the mind, you will have so much more time to do beneficial things for your life. Think about all the times that you've been angry, that the mind has just held on to the anger. Maybe a few hours, a few days, maybe weeks you've been mad at people and gone around and, and had problems and it's just occupied so much of your time and it's inhibited you from realizing the true enlightened mind. And also think about things that you've done to harm other people and cause difficulty or, or sabotaging relationships that you have. By eliminating these things from the mind, you will actually have more time in your, in your day. You will actually notice that your relationships will be more productive, more wholesome, more meaningful, and you're going to get so much more joy out of having a life this way. As you get closer and closer to enlightenment, you'll probably realize that you even sleep less because the mind is going to be performing more optimally. Therefore, if you're sleeping now 8, 10, 12 hours a day, I mean, at one time in my life, I was sleeping 14 hours a day. 14 hours a day, I was sleeping. Can you imagine? I barely had time to eat, take a shower, and do a little bit of work before it was time to go back to sleep. But with Attaining Nibbana, the closer and closer you get, you may notice that your sleep schedule shortens where four, five, six hours a day, you wake up refreshed. Sometimes you may not even sleep at all because your sleeping schedule is pretty erratic and, and uh, it's impermanent. So you may not sleep at all, but we don't use that as an excuse to, to go around and talk bad and, 
be angry and, and, and hostile towards people so we know that we can just sleep later, right? But what you'll notice is your sleep schedule will shorten because you won't be carrying around the burden of sadness and anger and frustration. This is a heavy burden, heavy, heavy stress to carry around that you can eliminate from the mind and realize a more joyful experience. Uh, you can experience a, a real peaceful life, improving your relationships, increasing concentration and memory and clarity of mind. This means you're going to not only have better relationships in your personal life, but you're also going to have better business relationships as well. You're probably going to notice that your performance at your job is going to just improve and improve and improve. If you're having trouble with coworkers or your significant others or your, your, your life partners, your children, anything that's going on in your life, as the mind awakens, you're going to be better able to deal with these challenges in life and you're going to be able to have more clarity of mind so that you'll be able to address and handle these situations. So it's really, really nice to work towards enlightenment in this way. And we've got uh, plenty of time to be able to do that here online. So you just need to dedicate your time to carving out every Sunday at this time. In Thailand, it's 9 p.m. Thai time. And wherever you are, just figure out what time that is that we start these uh, classes and you can attend these classes every week and learn. And then in your daily life, you can be learning from the book, from the videos, you can be taking quizzes, you can be meditating, and you'll get better and better and better. The next thing I wanna share with you is, is how we're gonna do that. And I've already shared a little bit of that. We've got the virtual classroom, the live interactive online classroom through Zoom. Now keep in mind, you're going to want to uh, sign up and register for this program so that you can get the passwords and the login link to be able to join the active uh, virtual classroom. And again, we're still gonna be live streaming, so you'll get the benefit of that. And if you're watching this after the live stream and, and for some reason your time zone doesn't work out, then you can always still come and watch this uh, later because it's going to be posted in all the different live streaming social media areas. So if you miss a class, it's okay. I'm not going to be taking attendance. I understand that there's impermanence and you know, you're going to have sick relatives. You're going to have a dog that needs to go to the vet. You're going to have children that have certain things that are going on at this time occasionally. But if you just make a regular pattern of showing up to these classes, then you're going to get the benefit of that. So don't feel guilty or shameful if you don't show up for a class and don't put a ton of pressure on yourself because you're still going to have the live stream. But if you come to the interactive classes, you'll be able to interact and ask questions. Uh, and you'll be able to do these other things like watching uh, the videos, reading the books, uh, taking the quizzes and meditating. Um, the beauty in this practice is that it's independently verifiable. The truth is in the teachings that Gautama Buddha understood the truth. And I understand the truth as well, but that doesn't help you. It only helps you because you're receiving guidance and you're able to be guided towards enlightenment. But in order for you to attain this mental state, you need to independently observe the teachings in practice to see that they work and that it's truth. Through you learning the teachings, 
<coughs> excuse, excuse me. Wow, that was a big one. Through you learning the teachings, through the interactive classes, through the book, through the videos, through the quizzes, you're reinforcing the teachings over and over and over in a repetitive way. And oh, by the way, we're going to have a podcast coming out soon, and we're going to have an audio book coming out before too long as well. All these things are there to help you to learn and practice the teachings. So all of these ways, I'm surrounding you with resources and allowing you to choose what works best and step in and step forward to be able to, to learn and practice. But you have to be able to learn the teachings intellectually so that once you learn the teachings intellectually, you can put those into practice and observe the truth for yourself. These teachings are not based on belief. Gautama Buddha's teachings are truth that once you learn them and apply them in practice in your daily life, you will be able to see that they work. And when you see that they work, you will have wisdom and this wisdom will slowly, gradually liberate the mind to becoming more peaceful, more calm, and more content. So this practice is not based on belief whatsoever. These teachings are independently verifiable where you will be able to observe the truth. And you have to do that. I can't give you Nibbana. Gautama Buddha can't give you Nibbana. God, if you believe in God, can't give you Nibbana. Nobody can give it to you. You have to work towards it by dedication, by commitment, by pursuing it yourself. Keep in mind, Gautama Buddha didn't awaken from uh, his enlightened state to be enlightened and said, I've discovered a new religion. He didn't say that. He said, I discovered a better way of life. These teachings are a better way of life when you learn them and you practice them. There's not rites and rituals and ceremonies. Sure, those things have shown up now 2,500 years later. Some people have added those things in, but that's not what Gautama Buddha was teaching as part of his teachings to help you awaken the mind because there's no rites or rituals or ceremonies that you can conduct that's going to awaken the mind. It's great to be there and be in association with other practitioners and enjoying uh, that experience. However, your practice needs to be informed by regular, consistent Dhamma talks with teachings, reading, videos, these things. You need to inform your practice intellectually so that you can then practice and apply the teachings in daily life, including meditation, so that you can see the mind continuing to improve and get better and better and better. And when you do, your mind will slowly awaken through seeing the truth and the wisdom for yourself. You will discover a better way of life, not as a religion, but a way of life. So it's really important that you do this. Your daily meditation practice is so, so, so important. So these are the things that I wanted to share with you in terms of the group learning program. Uh, it's really going to be helpful. It's going to be really beneficial to improving the quality of your mind and deepening your practice and your knowledge of these teachings. In order to get registered, what you want to do is you want to go to the comment section of this live stream, wherever you're watching it, whether it's Facebook or YouTube or Twitch or Periscope, whatever platform you're watching this on, in the comment section, you'll find a a link 
just like this one on the screen that's in the green box and it says register today. You can click on that link, put in your email address and your name. Now, there's never a time where I'm gonna ask you to purchase anything. There's nothing to purchase here. All of these teachings are being provided to you free of charge. There's no price for attaining Nibbana. I don't want anything from you. I have no expectations of you. I'm not expecting you to pay me even one cent or one penny or one bot, uh, one quid, whatever your currency is. I'm not expecting anything from you. What I'm doing is I'm offering you guidance uh, just because I know it's the right thing to do and it will absolutely help you. But what you're going to need to do in order to stay in contact so that you're getting the password, you're getting the, the certain announcements that I might send maybe once a week, um, is you need to click on this link and you need to put in your, your email and your password and that's going to help us stay in touch where I can now send you the password in the, uh, the link for logging into the virtual classroom. Uh, and then you also have my email address so that if you ever need to email me, you can email me there. So be sure that you click on this link and you can even do it while I'm talking right now if you want. You're welcome to, to go ahead and do that because that's more important. You need to get registered for this class. Um, it's going to be very, very important for you. Now next week, I'm going to be doing another live stream because we're not yet to the 16th of February. Uh, next week on the 9th at 9 o'clock, Thai time, I'm going to be doing another live stream where I'm going to be teaching loving kindness meditation. These two meditations are the two meditations that are required for everyone to learn in order to attain enlightenment. There's lots of different meditations that are, that are out there. Gautama Buddha in the teachings that I've observed, I saw him share three meditations. And, uh, but they're not all needed for enlightenment, but there's two primary uh, meditations that are needed, breathing mindfulness meditation and loving kindness meditation. So that's why I'm gonna teach those to you first through these live streams before we uh, start with our virtual classroom, because I would like to see you start to meditate and start to build your practice of breathing mindfulness meditation in the way that I've taught you today and then loving kindness meditation in the way that I'm gonna teach you next week so that you'll have that as a foundation going through the program. Because each week as I'm doing Dhamma talks, you will need to be meditating daily on your own. And if you're meditating in the way that I teach you and you're learning from the book, from the videos, from the quizzes, from the Dhamma talks, your mind is going to continually improve. So be sure to get registered. Be sure to tune in next week where we're going to be talking about loving kindness meditation. I haven't taught this in a video or in a live stream anywhere. Uh, this will be the first time that I've put it into uh, online content. So it'll be really great if you show up for that. You can learn um, uh, loving kindness meditation. This is going to help you eliminate the poison of anger or hatred. This meditation we did today helps to eliminate the poison of greed or craving. And the meditation we're gonna do on, set, on next Sunday is gonna help you eliminate the hatred or anger. And through learning the teachings and observing them as truth, gaining wisdom, that's gonna help you eliminate the poison of delusion or ignorance or the unknowing of true reality. 
these words aren't exactly correct either. Delusion or ignorance, they're, they're kind of used in a derogatory way nowadays. So I like to use the word unknowing of true reality or the phrase because the Buddha as an enlightened being would never have talked down to somebody and calling them ignorant, right? We use that word in a derogatory way. If you call someone ignorant, it's a very kind of rude thing to say and, and a fully perfectly enlightened Buddha wouldn't call somebody ignorant or stupid. Um, so I know that Gautama Buddha didn't use uh, the word ignorant, but I'm putting it in the text and I'm putting it in the teachings so that you guys can relate it to kind of what other teachers are talking about. But really the, the true uh, thing that we're working towards here with the three poisons is unknowing of true reality. So I really want to thank you for joining this live stream. I want to thank you for choosing to learn and progress in the teachings of Gautama Buddha. It's absolutely, absolutely the best thing that you could ever do for your life, for the life of the people around you, and for all of humanity. See, sometimes we think that we're selfish if we just focus on our own self and our own mind, right? There is no self, which we'll get to another time, but if you just focus on your own mind or doing your own things, sometimes we're taught that that's selfish, that somehow we should be doing things for everybody else. Well, how can we do things for everybody else if our mind is discontent, if our mind is um, not uh, peaceful, if our mind is not calm, and if our mind is not well? How could we ever be good uh, for anyone else? So by focusing on our own mind, it's the best thing we can do for ourselves, for all those close to us, and for all of humanity. And I would like to help you with this, and I'd like to thank you for choosing to be here on this live stream and through joining the group learning program. It's going to be a really, really great program and uh, very happy to be able to offer this to you. I'd like to, to uh, uh, sign up and uh, get started and uh, we'll see you next time. So thank you so much, and uh, we'll see you on the next live stream. Sawadikap. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To provide support for this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha. To access more teachings, visit buddhadailywisdom.com. There, you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Remember to establish a daily, consistent meditation practice, along with learning and practicing these teachings. A well-developed meditation practice is the foundation in which to train the mind to attain enlightenment.